The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Clay Link here with lead prospect writer James Anderson. Big shout out to New Day, N E U D A E, at New Day Music on Twitter. We appreciate the song Lion Kings, which you're letting us use as our intro this season. James, we have your MILB Pitcher Awards to hand out today. But first, big news out of Washington Victor Robles getting a surprise call up. Not initially when rosters expanded, but coming up as part of this second wave. I'm pretty surprised, but what are you expecting over the rest of the season for Robles? I think it's it's hard to expect him to not struggle a little bit, at least offensively. And you know, maybe he maybe he can hit the ground running and he just gets a diet of fastballs and is able to handle it. And you know, it's going to be a really short sample, regardless. So I mean, it, it, he's definitely talented enough to have a productive hundred plate appearances or so, but. Uh, I mean, he's probably not even going to play enough to get that many plate appearances. But uh, what the the main reason for it is, in in my opinion, is that he's their best outfield defender. Uh, period. Like in the organization, he's got a plus plus arm. He's a plus defender in center field, so he can handle all three spots. He's obviously also a, a plus runner, so he makes for a really nice pinch running option off the bench, a defensive replacement option off the bench. They've they've been starting some. You know, now they're now they have Howie Howie Kendrick and Jason Worth in the corners. But prior to that, uh, prior to Worth coming back and and them getting Kendrick, I mean, they've been giving Adam Lind starts out there. So it's it's a, a team that really needs some depth, and I think that he is kind of the antithesis of what they've been going with, especially in those corner spots lately. Yeah, that's true. He is obviously a top prospect. I think he's three still on your overall top four hundred. Yep. Really an incredible talent, but yeah, not in the lineup today. Hard to know exactly what to expect, but I think in our like our stake league, you should be on guy like that, especially if you're down an outfielder. Maybe you've had you've had Bradley Zimmer or somebody like that, and you you maybe need some speed. I think you could help help there at least. 
yeah, it's we just don't know how much he's going to play. Uh, to me, that this is still a surprising move. Uh, yeah, what? It's it's. I don't get the baseball so business behind. Here, here's what I would imagine is going to end up being the case, and this would make a lot more sense if this actually does happen. Is I I would assume they they send him to double A AA or triple A at the start of next season, keep him down long enough to get that extra year of control. Because I mean, like you know, Moncada, Yon Moncada was up for the Red Sox last year, obviously, but that doesn't mean automatically that the White Sox were denied that extra year. They kept him down long enough; they still get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this just seems like kind of an, an all hands on deck type of thing, where you're getting a guy that it, at the very least gives you a defensive upgrade over all your outfielders. Yeah, that's true. And of course, Bryce Harper. It sounds like he's making gradual progress, but you know, they're going to be without him, I'd assume, for at least the rest of the regular season. The only thing about Robles is that you can't have him on the postseason roster at this point. So it is it is surprising. I know you, you spot you uh, put a spotlight on a bunch of guys that you thought were going to get September call-ups. Robles not really among those, but I really do think it's something where you know he's not going to be the big difference maker that he may be in future years. But let's move on to your MILB pitcher awards for this season. Really top to bottom across the minor leagues, every level. Starting with the International League, most impressive, Brent Honeywell. Numbers really speak for themselves. Great year, but uh, I feel his frustration. I know he got suspended late in the year. I think probably for speaking up, he wasn't really happy, it seemed like, about not getting the call to that point. Uh, I think he has a case given the numbers, but do you think we see him? I know you said it'd be in a a bullpen role, but do you think now it's kind of past the the point of no return? Yeah, there... I, I don't see him being impactful from a fantasy standpoint this year. It, maybe he kind of comes up in sort of the role that the Dodgers are going to use Walker Bueller in, but that I don't know how much sense that really makes. I mean, you're already at 136 and two thirds innings with him. I guess it it wouldn't hurt to to chalk up another 15 to 20, but you know they're 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 not really going to compete for the postseason that doesn't look like at this point I mean that it would take a a pretty impressive run they don't have a need in the rotation right now Um, I mean he he just kind of serves as a cautionary tale of what can happen when you stash a pitching prospect like that especially a pitching prospect for an organization that doesn't have you know dire need in the rotation so uh, I think that there's other guys we're going to talk about in this article who might be primed for in 2018, much like Brent Honeywell's 2017. So hopefully that can just kind of work as a, a reminder. Yeah, I, I kind of get it from a team standpoint, given where they're at and the, the cluster in the American League and the wild card. But I also, man, it, it sucks for a guy like Honeywell because for all these guys, you know, the difference in pay bump from mm-hmm. – the, the minor leagues to the, even the major league minimum is, is huge. So even missing out on a month of that is, is a big dent in the wallets to some of these guys. Uh, but I think Honeywell will be fine. He'll be making a lot of money in his career. Biggest disappointment in the International League, Carson Fulmer. Not a big surprise there. Top pick a couple years ago. Really, eesh, I mean, numbers don't look good. Really no success yet at the major league level. Is this kind of a guy that you've decided – pretty dead set as a bullpen guy long term yeah i i I wouldn't even be surprised if they don't try to stretch him back out next year and and they just kind of go into 2018 as he with him as a member of their their bullpen it's it hasn't been pretty at all this year as a starter he's been just bad at everything uh and you know there, there were plenty of concerns when he was coming out of vanderbilt that he might profile best as a reliever and I think that you're going to see that as, as you know, I mean, he's doing that right now. I think he, he probably breaks the season next year in their bullpen and he could be getting saves for them at some point in 2018. Like obviously the, um, the injury to uh, uh, what's his face. Uh, the guy that we were banking on for, for saves from them at some point. Oh, after Zach the Birdie. Yeah. Zach Birdie, the, needing Tommy John I think that that opens up a little bit of a window for somebody else to 
to possibly claim that role because right now, I mean, their ninth inning situation is as pathetic as any teams in the league. Not pulling any punches. I get it. Now, like Juan Manaya, I think he's the guy getting saves right now. I, I, but he's like struggling to come through. Yeah, I did think it'd be Birdie, but him, like his brother, eating Tommy John this year, that's a, a tough break. Pacific Coast League, most impressive. Rogelio Armenteros. We came into the year looking at guys. I know you were down on them, but you know, the prospect community as a whole looking at guys like David Paulino, Francis Martes in this system. But has Rogelio Armenteros easily and significantly, uh, by significant margin, ahead of them now? Uh, you know, he's he's probably he's somewhat even with a guy like David Paulino. I, I still like Martes a bit more. It's just more electric arm, better stuff. Armenteros has really impressive numbers. It was kind of tough to pick a guy from the PCL just because there weren't a ton of guys that really fit the mold of what I was looking for. Um, I mean, he's only got 58 and a, and a third innings there, but he, I mean, the numbers are, are great. I think he's more of a fourth or fifth starter long-term and really just kind of a luxury for a team like the Astros who are going to enter 2018 with a plethora of options for the rotation that are, that are probably going to be ahead of him. He, he, he probably gets starts in the big leagues next year, but I think that it'll be as kind of a, a spot starter. Maybe he pitches well enough to, to earn a spot at the back of that rotation in the next year or two. But I think right now he's just kind of a, a luxury piece for them. Josh Stomont, the biggest disappointment and really wasn't just disappointing in the PCL. He struggled at double A as well before the promotion but at double A, six two eight ERA, one six seven WHIP. Is this somebody that you've dumped off your your four hundred entirely? Yeah, he's off. I mean, you you can't walk hitters at you know, like an eighteen percent clip, and and stay on any kind of a, a prospect ranking for fantasy purposes, just because it's it's almost unheard of to to go from that to a manageable clip, and you know, even even people that have been big Stalmont fans that I've talked to have been thinking that he most likely ends up as a reliever even before this season. So I mean, this is only going to kind of put further dirt on on him as a as a starting pitching prospect long term. I think I mean the stuff is so elite that if if he does start throwing strikes again next season, we'll 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 have to pay attention. But uh, starting to look like his best realistic outcome at this point might be a, as a setup man. Eastern League, Mitch Keller, most impressive for you. Really good strikeout rate, over 31%. While we're on the topic of, of Pirates Arms, though, Tyler Glass now. Man, disappointing. I was thinking about adding him in, in my head-to-head NL only. I think, thought it was obvious that he should be owned, but we're in the playoffs right now and limited pickups. Each team has four. Capped at four per week, so I just thought, man, I guess I have to leave him down just because he's not up yet. But getting back to Keller, how high has he vaulted in your prospect rankings? I haven't had uh, time to I – mean, I've been doing some changes. I mean, it, it does show that the, the top 400 was updated today. Uh, I just haven't gotten to Keller to move him up. Um, apologize for that. It's just been a really hectic uh, month for us here with the the baseball season winding down, but that'll be updated soon. And I would expect him to probably, man, you know, I don't know. There, there's so many great pitchers that are kind of in that 40 to 70 range on the top 400. And he definitely belongs in that mix. I, I think I would take him ahead of a guy like Cal Quantrill, uh, you know, it's it's a close call between Keller and a guy like Mike Soroka. Uh, close call between him and a guy like Michael Baez in the the Padres system. Um, you know, he, he'll probably be kind of right around fifty, right around where you see Sixto Sanchez, uh, Kyle Wright with the with the Braves. He's 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 definitely in that mix, and and he's actually the guy that I was referencing when I said you know this this is. The Brent Honeywell thing is a, is a reminder of the what can happen when you stash a pitching prospect. I think that there are going to be people next year that get excited about Mitch Keller. He's going to be the best pitcher pitching in the fall league this year, and people are going to probably walk away from that and be like, wow, that was really impressive, kind of the, the same way we were last year with Honeywell. 
And I think yeah, you, I'm, I know you're <laughs> you're basically subtweeting me, right? <laughs> right, and uh, but I mean, you, the the Pirates are just as bad as the Rays when it comes exactly, to to yeah. slow playing prospects, and it's just it'd be foolish to expect the Pirates to all of a sudden become this aggressive team with a guy like Keller. Uh, you know, we might see him next year, but I think it's just it doesn't make a ton of sense to to bank on on a ton of big league production from him next year because he he's finishing the year at double a probably goes to triple a uh, i mean he, i think it's going to be actually a lot like honeywell where he, he might get a get a few starts at double a again then finish spends most of the year triple a maybe gets into the big leagues towards the end of the year but I, I just i think 2019's the year for mitch keller yeah i mean those are those teams basically mirror each other in the different leagues in terms of how they handle pitching prospects I'm going to be crossing those arms and those organizations off my lists in single season leagues moving forward. But I'm sure I'll still, you know, get caught holding a guy for months <laughs> before he gets Look, I, up. I've I've been holding Chance Adams in our stake league where I'll be buying. Uh, I've been holding Adams for, I mean, almost as long as you've been holding Honeywell, and and Honeywell's better than Adams. So well, it's you know what what are you going to do? No zero returns yielded. <laughs> from those stashes but luckily i did get uh one jeff hoffman start though uh from you after, <laughs> oh, after yeah. that that reese hoskins trade and and it happened to be the start that cost him his spot in the rotation <laughs> hey Fulty's pitching a little better what about uh walker bueller do you think he should be owned in a league like that deep i mean 18 18 teams i i don't know i mean it maybe he kind of performs as a relief ace uh sort of in the josh Hader type of mold uh but i mean there's thinking risk. about picking him up or at least putting in a bid i think i have zero yeah zero fab dollars i mean if you if if owning Hader would interest you then i think owning bueller should interest you too but it's just it's such a tough window you're trying to capitalize on a reliever over the span of maybe 10 innings a lot can go wrong obviously a lot can go right but uh you know, maybe you vulture a win, but yeah, I, I definitely don't see him getting any starts. Yeah, now's not a time where you make ratio plays, but I'm thinking if he's working sure. like three innings stints like Hater was at, at points, you know, getting like six or right. seven and they at have, a time. And they have starters like, you know, Alex Wood, Hyunjin Ryu, who aren't going deep into these games, so mm-hmm. that, would, that would make sense. Biggest disappointment in the Eastern League, Sean Reed Foley. Still just 22, but are you looking at him and seeing a little reason for optimism? Yeah, he just he took a step back in a variety of areas. Command uh, went back. He had significantly fewer ground balls this year, which resulted in a obviously resulted in a career worst home run rate. And so, I mean, just a lot of things went wrong for him. He's got a he's got the repertoire to start, but I don't think the command is there right now. So I think the the smart money's on him ending up in the bullpen. But yeah. I mean, too too early to write him off. But in dynasty leagues, I always preach you can't you can't be too patient with pitching prospects who aren't getting it done that don't have like elite stuff because it's just what's what's the point in being super patient with a guy whose ceiling is like mid mid rotation starter? It just it doesn't doesn't make sense. Absolutely. Now, Southern League. This is a guy that I've been itching to talk about because we did earlier in the year, but. Seems like we haven't discussed Michael Kopech in a while. He was your most impressive in the Southern League. And do you think maybe he was the most impressive arm in all the minors this year? I probably would. Oh, man, that's tough. I, I think I think Tristan McKenzie's got a really good case for that. I think Forrest Whitley's got a really good case for that. I think Brent Honeywell's got a really good case for that. Uh but Kopech's right there with those guys. Kopech is now our top rank, our top ranked starting pitching prospect uh, ahead of Alex Reyes, uh, ahead of Forrest Whitley. Those those three guys are all in the top twenty now. I think Kopech's just inside the top ten. Uh, he's a fascinating guy for for redraft leagues next year because you know he he's been great at AAA since getting the promotion there. I don't see the White Sox keeping him in triple a for too long next year i i think he could be up in in may honestly and if you get him in the big league rotation for 120 130 innings you're probably getting a strikeout per you're you know maybe 
the ratios are obviously a risk, but man, his stuff is just so electric. I wouldn't be surprised if he went out there and, and put up like a, a four ERA, one three whip and, and a strikeout per inning. I mean, that that's got value in most formats the way pitching is these days. So he, he's going to be fascinating, especially in deeper leagues next year. Yeah, I think that's probably a, a wise, you know, kind of safe projection. But would you say this guy has like Syndergaard upside as far as when he first broke in? Like to be a I, real difference maker in I, single season? Yeah, I, I mean, I think he has number one starter upside, but things he he had not the way he is right now he he needs to throw more strikes but i think he will i think he's the type of guy who his command is trending in the right direction uh and you you could see two three years down the line he he's his commands at a spot where the the production does start to mirror number one starter upside i mean he also needs to make uh you know the 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 secondary pitches need to come along a little bit. I mean, Syndergaard secondary stuff wasn't what it currently is when he first got into the big mm-hmm. leagues. So that's obviously worth remembering too. I mean, I, I, he does have that type of upside. Um, he's got that kind of superstar personality too. Yeah. Yeah. He's got the look, the hashtag <laughs> look. Yeah. He, he probably could have been the, the new face of MILB, but I mean, do we, he just, maybe, he do maybe. we just put him on the mag next year? <laughs> <laughs> you know that'd be bold and i'm not against it and not even in a uniform either just like in in street clothes maybe like Copec at the beach you know i, I don't know just trying Let's to sell, sell mags. Just trying to sell mags <laughs> but hey i would sell some mags for sure i'm looking forward to seeing him up for sure absolutely because i've only really seen you know i haven't really seen his full starts this year but i'm seeing clips regularly gifs and stuff is, is absolutely filthy Biggest disappointment, Trevor Clifton, the Cubs organization. What were what went wrong with him this year? And he just he sucked me in in the off season, and then I I quickly realized that I was I was wrong to ever buy into anything he was selling, and and I feel like this happens to me with Cubs pitching prospects every year because like I I don't think it's debatable that that's the best if you were to just pick like if you were to just say I can take. Michael Kopech, or I can take Forrest Whitley and put him in any system in baseball I want and have him come up in that system and be in, you know, in that team's rotation. I think the Cubs are the team you'd want that player to come up in because there is no rotation depth. There's no, there's not going to be any competition. Uh, you have the potential for a, a really high end defense behind you, depending on who's getting the start that day. Uh, you have, you know, the promise of, run support. I mean, you have, it's just, it's a great situation. It's a nice park to pitch in. So whenever a, a Cubs pitching prospect has a good year and is, is fairly close to the big leagues, I get a little excited. That happened with Clifton last year. It turns out he's just a guy. He, he Maybe he becomes a fifth starter somewhere. I, I don't know. But, uh, you know, Adbert Alzale is sort of that guy this year. Fairly impressive numbers at double A. Thomas Hatch, Oscar De La Cruz had, had some uh, quality starts at, at high A, so those might be the next guys that I that suck me in for the Cubs, but they just haven't been able to turn any of those guys into you know a legit guy that we can comfortably project as as a part of the big league rotation, which has been kind of a, a shame. Texas League, Forrest Whitley, who you mentioned earlier, most impressive in this league. Numbers are pretty pretty wild, and you said that he would. He was arguably among the most impressive arms, but were there others in the the Texas League who were, you know, maybe not fighting for this crown necessarily, but uh, at least deserve an honorable mention? Yeah, this is kind of an unfair spot for me to give Whitley the award over a guy like AJ Puck because Puck had uh, significantly more innings in the Texas League. The thing to me though is, I, you know, I wanted to. I wanted to recognize Whitley somewhere because I think you make a case that he had the most impressive year for any pitching prospect. And probably the most impressive part of his year is what he did after promotion to double A. He's it's only 14 and and two thirds. And I think it was four appearances, maybe two starts, but I mean, just dominant Uh, 26 strikeouts in, in those innings, only four walks as the youngest pitcher in the league puck, uh, also pretty dominant, but he's two and a half years older than Whitley. 
Whitley's got better stuff. Whitley's got better command. I mean, it's just kind of crazy how, how good this guy is at such a young age. So I wanted to recognize him somewhere, but AJ Puck also deserves a shout out. So is he a guy that, I mean, he'll be uh, up next year. You think he'll be up next yeah, year, but I, do you think he's going to be kind of a guy that people hold on to for a bit longer than the contributions end up warranting? I don't know, man. He's, he's so special. Uh, I think he could be just one of the rare guys who goes, you know, I think he'll end up with around 20 innings, maybe a double A this year. He might just get assigned straight to triple A or maybe even back to double A and then they skip him over triple A. I mean, I I don't, nothing would surprise me with the Astros with Forrest Whitley next year. I wouldn't be surprised if he was up in May or June. Uh, you know, that's, kind of scary to think of given his age but i mean his, his stuff is just so so legit i think he's got a uh, big time number one starter potential uh not the type of arm that i i could see a team really grooming and holding down as long as like the rays did with with honeywell this year interesting yeah and plus they you know they're going to be right in the thick of it again next year and so we see teams like washington and la and the like, and Houston bring up guys it, who can help them right away. It might even just come down to when is there a spot where they have an opening. You know, say they break camp with five starters that they like, and then you know one of them struggling, and then it comes down to, well, should we promote Force Whitley or should we give like Mike Fires or Joe Musgrove another shot? It might just they might just go like, well, let's give it to our let's give it to our stud, and mm-hmm. you know that could that could be earlier in the year. Biggest disappointment in the Texas League, Sandy Alcantara. And we saw him make his major league debut briefly earlier this year, but really having trouble commanding his pitches still. Now 22, are you losing faith that he ever will learn to to locate? I mean, it's so a lot of these guys who I said were biggest disappointment are out of the top 400 altogether. Alcantara is still right around 200 uh, just because his upside is – his upside's extreme and he's made – uh, significant strides as the year's gone on. So it's it's not like it's been a complete disaster for him, but he came into the year with the potential to develop into one of the best starting pitching prospects in the game and kind of, you know, he didn't didn't capitalize on that opportunity. Now he's just kind of one of the many guys where we can dream on the stuff, but we have to see some improvement with the command. I'm not definitely not writing him off. Uh, I think we're, we're going to get to see him in the fall league, which will be fun. Um but it's nice to also know that he's got a fairly high floor as a, as a high leverage reliever. California league. And please correct me if I'm pronouncing this wrong, but John Duplantier, is he French? (laughs) French boy? Uh, He went to rice. I don't don't, know. His parents are, I I think you're doing a more elegant job with, with the name than I would have. Um, I think people probably know who we're talking about though. I mean, this guy, interesting case for sure. Yeah. He, he was, you know, a guy that came out of Rice, and I think there were a lot of questions about how he could hold up to a starter's workload. Well, he went out and joined Justin Verlander with the second lowest ERA in the minors since 1993 at 139. Very impressive, obviously. Uh, not Yeah, I mean, the age is, is what throws me off, but the right. numbers are pretty special. And I went back, and I, I was going to say, like, Oh yeah, but uh, let me. I'll, I'll go back and I'll point out that Verlander was, you know, young for his level. Blah blah blah. Like, and if, if you forget, you know, Verlander, he was a he was a college guy too. Uh, you know, he was about the same age as as Duplantier was when when he did it. So uh, impressive feat, obviously. I think realistically, though, the stuff uh, is more of kind of a back end starter than than what Verlander ended up becoming but you know he's he's he throws in the he can touch 95 um he's got good extension you know th- there's a chance he could be a number three i guess and and he's probably going to move fairly quickly next year so definitely a guy that should be owned in, in deeper dynasty leagues yeah definitely definitely on the the radar now i really didn't know anything about this and guy coming in definitely a guy that i would be looking to shop this off season because he's you know i think mlb pipeline already named him their their pitching prospect of the year based on that era uh hard to imagine his dynasty league stock ever eclipse well no that's that's not true if he gets into the big leagues and is like 
even just like Mike Leak caliber starter, it'll probably be more valuable than he is right now. But while he's in the minors, I can't really see his stock getting past this point. As a quick note from our sponsor, buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there's a better way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every game all season long. Whether you're planning a day out with friends, searching for a last-minute deal, or buying a gift for a loved one, SeatGeek helps you find the best tickets at the best prices, fully guaranteed. Nothing beats being there in person for the biggest plays of the year, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have SeatGeek, uh, the SeatGeek app on my phone. It's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats. I actually just used SeatGeek to buy tickets to a Brewer game recently. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare, compare prices and find amazing deals. And to get you the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. And it doesn't end with sports. SeatGeek also has plenty of concert, comedy, and theater tickets available too. Best of all, new users get $20 off their first purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code ROTOMLB today. That's promo code ROTOMLB for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. See it live with SeatGeek, right seat, right now, right from your phone. Biggest disappointment, Anderson Espinosa, and as you say here, no fault of his own, just got hurt, Tommy John surgery, but how much does the missed year of development time hurt his stock? Well, the crappy thing about this one is it's it's two missed years because he, yeah, right. you know, he didn't pitch at all uh, in games until at both this season, they didn't announce that he was going to take, get Tommy John though till July. So it ended up costing them a couple of years where, you know, if they, they go under the knife in the spring, when the issue first cropped up, maybe we see him for the second half of, of next year, but you know, this will cost him 2017, 2018. The great thing is he's still just going to be 21 when he's back on the Hill in 2019. So it's not, it's not catastrophic by any stretch, but I mean, it's, yeah, obviously, dynasty league value takes a takes a little bit of a hit, but he's he's still kind of a borderline top one hundred guy for me. Carolina league most impressive Tristan McKenzie I tried to pry this guy from an owner in one of our leagues, one of our staff leagues earlier this year. He wouldn't budge. I was disappointed, but I certainly get it. Really pretty special, and I know you are on Twitter, kind of noting the frame, and I, I think that may be a concern for some some people looking at him. Uh, big guy, but only you know six five one sixty five right now. Very slender. Are you just banking on the stuff and not really all that concerned about the the durability? You know he's listed at one sixty five, and that's that's probably what he was before the season. Obviously, they don't have to even be accurate on those those weigh ins. Uh, but just watching some of his some recent tape on him, I'd bet he's closer to 175 at this point uh the thing is it's just it's not uh nothing about the delivery or anything says that he's he just looks like a guy that's gonna hold up i don't know it's not the same way i felt about when i when i would watch uh cj edwards carl edwards jr uh back when he was a prospect in the rangers and cubs system it always sort of just looked like there was no way that was going to hold up for, you know, even 170 innings. McKenzie, I think actually, I think it actually will. Uh, obviously, never want to bet on a guy on a on a pitching prospect to stay healthy, but I think I think he's got a chance to pull it off. I love the repertoire, the mound demeanor, the the command, and everything. I mean, he's got. He's got swag for days. He's uh, you know, got a chance for three plus pitches plus command. Everything he did this year is just really impressive. Trails only Alec Hansen for the minor league league and minor league lead in strikeouts, and he's three years younger than Hansen. And McKenzie was pitching at a higher level level for about half the year, so uh, he's definitely in that mix if we if we want to talk about overall pitcher of the year in the minors. Yeah, I mean the the durability thing. Certainly not a hard and fast rule that a guy's not going to hold up. Look at Chris Sale. I mean, those concerns will probably always follow McKenzie until he's in the majors and has several seasons under his belt. But 
if there's any sort of discount because of that frame, you probably should be buying Dynasty Leagues. We're already past a, a half-hour mark here, James, and you got we got some more guys to get to, but I'm going to run through them relatively quickly. Most disappointing in this league, though, Carlos Diplon. Anything you want to add here? Just mention it's, in specific. You know, he's, he's probably a reliever long-term. Florida State League, most impressive, Tuki Toussaint. And, I mean, I was kind of starting to buy in earlier in the year, but what did he do over the, the full body of work that caught your eye? Well, he the ERA, I mean, he finished with an ERA over five, so it's weird that I have him as most impressive, but uh, nothing else about what he did suggests that he was that bad this year. He set a career best with strikeout rate while also putting uh, – his lowest walk rate together above rookie ball. I mean, it's all about command with him, whether whether or not he's a reliever or a starter. He's going to be behind guys like, I think, Colby Allard and Mike Soroka and obviously Luis Gohara, who already beat him to the majors. So he, he's not going to get there ahead of those guys. So there might be kind of a, a higher bar to clear for him than, than a guy like Gohara faces but I think he's got as much up, upside as any of those guys. So even if even if he, he takes a little bit longer to, to really hone in on that command, definitely still worth holding on to. And, and much like Alcantara, who we talked about earlier, uh, Tucson will be uh, – I think he'll be in, in the Arizona Fall League, and I think he's got a, a floor as a, as a closer, honestly, that the stuff's that good. That's awesome that we're going to get to see him in – gosh, well, that's what, like eight weeks away? <laughs> That will be fun. Yeah. Biggest disappointment, Justin Dunn. Midwest League, most impressive, Michael Baez. And I know just through our past conversations that this guy's really been one of the, the big risers among prospects this year. Yeah, he's he's just been filthy in the Midwest League. Uh, he's a guy that could move really quickly next year. I think that they just wanted to kind of keep him in a familiar setting and instead of kind of promoting him every every four weeks or whatever this year but I think next year you could see him open the year at high a I honestly wouldn't even be surprised if he opened the year at double a and just skipped high a and then at that point you're just talking about a, a really nice stretch of six or eight starts before the Padres bump him into the big league rotation because you know that you know they'll have an opening <laughs> sure do <laughs> wow I mean only the Reds you know even the Reds at least they had Luis Castillo yeah that's got to be nice. That was nice. He's, if you were giving out major league awards, would you say he was the most impressive young arm this year of the rookie pitchers? Yeah, I, I can't even think. I of can't think of who. Would, I mean, I guess. Uh, I mean, Luke Weaver came into the year, yeah. but I mean, Castillo's got just such a longer track record this season of, of being in the big leagues and having success. Yeah, he had a heck of a run. Also, good to see Robert Stevenson. Pitching a little bit better, even though five walks hey, against those Brewers. Also, uh, you know, friend of the pod, Amir Garrett, I think he's coming back into the rotation. <laughs> That's right, with Castillo getting shut down. Glad they extended Brian Price, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. I Just buy yourself some time. He's He's gotten a little bit better, but he's his in-game management is still very questionable. Biggest disappointment, Brady Aiken. I mean, all you need to do is look at those walk numbers. More walks than strikeouts at 132 innings, over 100 walks. And you, you throw out a comp here, which I think is very apt because Bacon will probably get by on name value in Dynasty Leagues for a while, like Mark Appel. Yeah, I mean, you with with pitching prospects, I think especially, I, there's nothing wrong, I think, with just jumping ship when all the signs are there. I know I jumped ship on Mark Appel a long time ago uh, before even, you know, our bosses. Our bosses wanted a Mark Appel outlook in the, the mag. And I was like, we don't need a Mark Appel outlook in the mag. <laughs> like, he's he's nothing. Um, yeah, stood your ground, and I but, appreciate it. We had to get one anyway. <laughs> we, had, we did have to get one. kind of crapped on But him. I was just like, no. Um, and, like, Brady Aiken next year, like, I'm not going to be the one that suggests we write a Brady Aiken outlook next year. Uh, and the nice thing is he didn't end up being a number one overall pick, so maybe we'll be able to kind of cut ties with him uh, a little quicker than we were Mark Appel. Uh, but, yeah, it's 
it's just not looking good. This was this was kind of a make or break year for him to just establish that he's still a legitimate pitching prospect because he wasn't good last year either. But you could still kind of chalk that up to well, first year back from Tommy John. Now it's like, well, you know, what is he? Is he is he even going to get to Double A? Sally League most impressive Adonis Medina, and this is pretty surprising here because you say that. Medina accomplished more and improved his stock more than Sixto Sanchez, but in a vacuum, do you still like Sanchez as a prospect a little more? Yes, it's just I, the the point I was trying to make there is, you know, Medina pitched, you know, he logged uh, more innings. Obviously, uh, he comes, he came into the year off of the top four hundred. Sixto Sanchez came into the year, I think, you know, maybe right around one hundred, maybe just a, a tad outside the top one hundred, and he's moved up to like. 45 or 50 whereas Medina went from off the list completely to around uh 90 and you know he's you'd probably still give Sanchez the edge and upside that's why he's ranked higher and part of the reason he's ranked higher too is just like the name value versus those two is not even close like every everyone knows who Sixto Sanchez is at this point but you know Medina's got a chance for uh plus changeup plus slider uh plus fastball with solid command i mean that that's nothing to sneeze at at all so i I think he's really opened a lot of eyes this year and should be thought of as a top 100 prospect heading into next year most disappointing in the south atlantic league riley pint is this a guy that you're you're jumping ship on kind of like those others you mentioned uh no i i'd actually put him more in the sandy alcantara bin in terms of not writing him off. There's no sugarcoating that this and this just wasn't a good year for him. But he's still so young, stuff's still so good that it's just it's too soon to to say a guy like this isn't gonna isn't gonna be able to make it work. And and he did at times. It's you know Riley Pint has been on at times this year. He's shown the promise that the Rockies saw when they drafted him as high as they did. It's just he wasn't able to put it together for a full year. Now, these low-level leagues, you just handed out most impressive awards for these, as you did on the hitter side last week. Go check out that podcast when we're done if you missed it. Uh, but anybody here that you want to talk about, maybe maybe Hunter Green? I'll, I'll talk about Hunter Green, but uh just want to say Tobias Myers, who the Rays got for Tim Beckham uh, at the deadline this year. I think, you know, based on what Beckham did for the has done for the O's, that trade may seem a little one-sided, but Myers has just been a, an absolute stud in the New York Penn League. I think that he's really improved his stock. Uh, Hunter Green, yeah, I mean he, you know, he threw. I think he had his third outing last night. Uh, Thirty-five pitches in that one. That was by far his best outing on the mound. He, he got hit around a little bit in the, the first couple. Uh, just don't look at the numbers with him. Uh, when you when you have a, a power fastball and the, don't really trust the secondaries, there's going to be some ugly stat lines early on. That's just the way it goes. I mean, he's he, you can't just look at like. I mean, I do like Mackenzie Gore more than Hunter Green, and it, there's a there's a gap between those two in the rankings for sure. But it's so much easier for Mackenzie Gore right now because he has those secondary pitches and he can just make guys look foolish with that curveball. And that allows the fastball to really play up. Well, Green can't really do that yet, but that doesn't mean he won't be able to in time. Uh, I, I think he probably starts the year and extended spring training, maybe heads eventually to, to low A date, and it probably finishes the year at low A date next year. So he's going to move a little slower than, than a guy like Gore. But, I mean, sky's still the limit with him. Nice, man. Well, great stuff as always, James. Obviously throughout the season – it's a, it's a grind, and you, you've done a great job with the prospect work throughout the year. We appreciate it. Now to our final segment of the show, the hip-hop countdown continues. On to number three. We're getting here to the, the thick of it, James. And for me, I just really got three words for you, ready to die. Oh, damn. It's number three for me. Is that, uh, is that, I'm assuming that's number one for you, but you don't have to <laughs> provide any spoilers. I also say I think the what – Maybe my favorite song. It's kind of a sleeper pick on that album, but with with meth. Not um, nothing sleeper about that. Yeah, pick, man. that's okay. Good. <laughs> I mean, there are you can't really go wrong if you pick any track on that that album. But uh, that's that's my pick for for best song there. I mean, I, I'm assuming if you're 
stuck around to listen to any of our hip hop discussion, you've heard this. If you haven't, I don't, you know, when did you arrive to planet earth? But, uh, do yourself a favor and, and listen to it again because it never gets old. So this might be a little controversial uh, before I get to mine, but there's two songs of Biggie's that I just don't really like. And they're probably, if not his two most popular songs, they're, you know, up there. I mean, definitely among the people that aren't even into hip hop music, people know Juicy, people know Big Papa. Is it, do I, do I have a leg to stand on in not liking those songs? Or am I just being like a hipster just because I've been to too many parties where people I know that don't like hip hop have been singing word for word Juicy at the party? No, I get it, man. Especially because, you know, everything's tied to to our experiences. And if you, uh, I'm the same way. If I've seen something douchey related to a song, <laughs> I don't know. It kind of just deters it, me. There's, I want to zig while these douches zag. There's something really awful about being in like a college basement with, with a all bunch white of people. drunk white people <laughs> and everyone singing the words to Juicy. Like, I totally hear that. There's something I agree that really it's whack about really that. overrated. I won't say it's a bad song, but I totally no. see where you're, where you're coming from. Right. Like, so if I just came you know, from out of sp- outer space and listened to song Juicy, I'd like it. It's just it's all about just what I associate with it. Um, but, man, some, some heavy totally hitters on that you. album, though. I mean, like, you know. Oh man, I love I love so many of these songs, and a lot of them you kind of have to let grow on you a little bit. I think un- if I were to pick one to compete with the what, it might be unbelievable. Uh, DJ Premier bringing it on that one, but yeah, I mean tons tons of classics on that album. Yeah, can't go wrong. What is your pick for the third best hip hop album of all time? All right, we're gonna head to the West Coast, which we've rarely done uh, throughout this exercise, but true. Uh, Doggy style. Snoop Dogg. Nice. Um, this that's my favorite West Coast album. Uh, you know, you have the amazing production from Dr. Dre that you get with with a lot of the West Coast classics. You also get, I think, you know, Snoop Dogg is obviously not a great lyricist anymore, but I think some of his lyrics on on Doggy Style are just excellent. Uh, you get, you know, plenty of high quality features from the dog pound from Nate dog from Warren G you know, you get a little dog pound. uh, Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, they're, they're all over this album. Uh, you know, there's just, there's, and this is like some comedy. Oh, I mean, this this is interludes are hilarious. It's a hilarious album. Most, most rappers think they're funny and they're not when they do the, the skits on albums and stuff. Uh, these ones are, are legitimately funny. Um, the W balls, uh, <laughs> I, I think the end, and one of the things that makes this album special to me too, is like the, the pop tracks like gin and juice, uh, who am I? What's my name? Like those are legit good songs. I think like, I mean, gin and juice is a song I've heard, you know, thousands of times. I'm, I'm still going to listen to it if it comes on. Um, yeah, ain't no fun is oh, ain't no fun is just a, an anthem. So much funk, you know. Yeah. I, I like Doggy Dog like World the with the dramatics, you know. Yeah, lot lot of funk. Uh, I just there, there's just so many, and it, and it's there are some like you know there's some skits. If you want to skip the skits, you can. But I mean, there's there's as much heat in the, like the final three or four tracks as there are in the first three or four tracks. I mean, it's it's pretty loaded throughout. Yeah, and the the interludes, the comedy, give it a certain character that is so great. It's it really is an album that sounds unlike anything else. I mean, I know Dog Food by the Dog Pound was a little bit similar. I was just listening to Let's Play House the other day. It's got that similar funk, but really no album since has been produced, uh, since this album has uh, was produced, that, that has the, the same sound. Right, and and for my money, I'll, I'll take this, I'll take Doggy Style over the Chronic. I just think that there's I'm more, there. there's more high-end tracks, like the... The top tracks are similar, but like Doggy Style just has more of them. Uh, you know, I'll take this over over any Tupac album. Uh, sorry, Tupac mm-hmm. fans, I don't know if you're going to hear us talk about Tupac again on this this segment, but um, yeah, so. yeah. I mean, it's 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 a classic, and it's I I think it's kind of the West Coast uh, Illmatic in that I just 
I can just pop it in whenever and I'm and nothing nothing feels old about it like none of none yeah. of the tracks feel dated like I, I think reasonable doubt which I talked about a few weeks ago like doggy style to me holds up better than reasonable doubt and, and I think doggy style is three years older than than reasonable doubt I think it just it sound like a lot of these tracks sound like something that you would be super excited to hear come on the radio today yeah and you know the the female hooks the female vocals on the hooks are really great you know doggy mm. dog world obviously there were a lot of those especially in the 90s and they, that, that sound kind of got watered down a little bit but the the, the hooks here are really really good you get a little george clinton yeah exactly g-funk intro great stuff i i'm pissed at myself honestly that i didn't find a spot for this album on my top 10 i i listened to it when i was young you know i played it like crazy but i guess i grew to overlook it a little bit it kind of you know it's great but i think it's greatness is lost a bit today because it's not like this super you know uh, culture conscious type of album. I also also think that you know if you're into aesthetics, I think that the the album cover is probably a top three <laughs> album cover to me. Uh, that is in terms of hip hop albums, little you know, little uh, racy, little little uh, empty <laughs> PG thirteen, maybe maybe R-rated. even a yeah. little bit further. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's great. It's not an album that you'd want like your mom to find like in oh, your room yeah. when you were like twelve years old or whatever. Yeah, I think my brother ordered this from like Columbia House and like got scolded when he, <laughs> when he got it. But, well, can't go wrong with that. I highly respect that choice. Final two albums to discuss in the coming weeks. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll talk to you next week on the Roadwire Prospect Podcast. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.